This program is presented by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Welcome to our podcast series on CDC's Ovarian Cancer Demonstration Project. I'm your host, Jake Glenn. Did you know that ovarian cancer is the fifth leading cause of cancer death among women in the United States and the second most common type of female reproductive cancer? Today, I spoke with Katie Jones, Mary Charlton, and Jenny Patterson from Iowa, and Kelly Smith and George Andosha from Rhode Island about the partnerships they each developed as part of a CDC demonstration project to increase gynecologic oncologist involvement in the treatment for ovarian cancer. While there is no simple and reliable way to screen for ovarian cancer in asymptomatic women, a woman's chances of survival increases if her treatment is given or directed by a gynecologic oncologist. Let's meet our guests. I'm Katie Jones. I'm the program manager of the Iowa Comprehensive Cancer Control Program at the Iowa Department of Public Health. And I was basically the liaison between the Iowa Cancer Registry and ICF and helped with the application and the reporting, the budgeting, contracts, those types of things. My name is Mary Charlton. I'm an associate professor in the Department of Epidemiology at the University of Iowa College of Public Health and I'm the PI and director of our Iowa statewide SEER cancer registry. My role on the project was overseeing and directing the formative analysis that we did and just overseeing all components of the project. For our listeners, Mary is a principal investigator, or PI, who is responsible for directing the project. As Mary mentioned, she is the director of Iowa's Surveillance, Epidemiology, and End Results Program, also known as SEER. SEER provides information on cancer statistics to reduce the cancer burden among the U.S. population. Now let's give Jenny an opportunity to introduce herself. Hi, I'm Jenny Patterson and a research specialist with the University of Iowa College of Public Health, and uh, I was working on the materials development and testing for this project. And from Rhode Island. So I'm C. Kelly Smith. I'm the Comprehensive Cancer Control Program Manager under normal circumstances here in Rhode Island, but I am currently deployed full-time. So I wrote the original application, engaged our cancer coalition in the initial work, designed the project with our partners, helped them to do that, and helped to lead the planning process until I had to step aside during the pandemic due to COVID-19 deployment obligations. And I'm George Andosha. I'm currently the acting comprehensive cancer control program manager, thanks to COVID. And previously and during much of the time I was involved in the ovarian cancer project, I was the comprehensive cancer control programs, policy systems, and environmental change specialist. So like Kelly said, I I stepped in to take over coordination of ovarian cancer related activities and work with the task force when Kelly was pulled full-time into her COVID-19 work. Partnerships are integral to the work of the National Comprehensive Cancer Control Program, or NCCCP. Angela Moore, lead public health advisor with CDC's Division of Cancer Prevention and Control, described for me the importance of partnerships in the context of the NCCCP program and for this demonstration project. CDC's National Comprehensive Cancer Control Program brings together key partners and organizations to work together to reduce the number of community members who get or die from cancer. The NCCCP was built upon the premise that a coordinated and integrated approach to cancer control is much more impactful than individual efforts. Each comprehensive cancer control program sets up a coalition who identified priorities 
as well as developed and carried out the state's cancer plan. Programs work with their coalition members to create formal agreements, review membership periodically to ensure the right community members and organizations are invited to participate, and ensure the coalition is a key partner in decision makings. As with all NCCCP work, we encourage the participating sites to identify, build, or enhance their partnerships within their communities and work with their state coalitions when planning, conducting, and evaluating their selected strategies for this demonstration project. Kelly, what do you think is the role of partners when it comes to planning, implementing, and evaluating strategies for your overall NCCCP work? So comprehensive cancer control is the art of connecting survivors, caregivers, providers, and advocates, and also sometimes businesses even, to develop evidence-based strategies that help improve public health. When multidisciplinary groups work together to create value-added education experiences, they are usually much better than they would have been had a small group of people with just one type of experience planned, implemented, and evaluated them. Now I'd like to discuss some of the strategies you used to ensure your partnerships were successful for this demonstration. Tell us about bringing your partners on board. What was their role for this demonstration project? Yes, so partners are a huge part of our work. You know, we work with the Iowa Cancer Consortium a lot. They're our main contractor, and then also the American Cancer Society, a variety of other partners too. And I work with Mary a lot too. I should also note, normally, also was a partner, the Normally Ovarian Cancer Initiative. They have been working for a long time on ovarian cancer patient advocacy, and they have been pushing for making sure that folks diagnosed with ovarian cancer are seen by a gynecologic oncologist early on. They really helped connect the project to patients for focus groups and look over materials and that sort of thing. We spoke with normally early on in the process when we were developing the patient education handout and got some feedback from early drafts. And we're certainly grateful for that and have absolutely made a point of mentioning them by name in the reporting that we've done back to CDC and ICF as part of this project. Hopefully they're happy with the relationship that was established and we could continue to work together in the future and they would be willing to to do more with us and, and also reach out if they ever need help. It's really great to hear how you engaged and worked with your partners in Iowa. Thank you. Kelly, the Rhode Island Department of Health convened an ovarian cancer survivorship task force for this demonstration project. Can you describe the purpose of the task force and their role for this project? Sure. So our cancer coalition has, as I've mentioned, a few very active ovarian cancer survivors, including one of its founders. We knew from past experience that this work would be as strongest if a coalition of the willing planned it together, and specifically a multidisciplinary coalition. Great. And how did you go about recruiting members to serve on the task force? I know you started with your state coalition, the Partnership to Reduce Cancer in Rhode Island. So again, we knew that there were people in our midst who were particularly engaged with the topic of ovarian cancer. One of the founders of the Partnership to Reduce Cancer, who was still actively engaged in the organization, um, is a longtime ovarian cancer survivor and Her husband also was very involved with the Partnership to Reduce Cancer as a caregiver. And then there were a number of other people who identify as and are ovarian cancer survivors. And then there were some healthcare providers 
who the Cancer Coalition was working really closely with, and so was the state, with the Cancer Coalition, who all came together first by design and then more organically and ended up planning these events and staging these events. Talk to me about the type of agreements that were established between the task force and the Rhode Island Department of Health. Was there any type of formal written agreement or memorandum of understanding? So initially it was a group of stakeholders who were given a set of proposed interventions to work with and modify and a budget, but the budget was a project budget. It wasn't payment to each of them. And later we subsidized the work by adding to the contract of the Partnership to Reduce Cancer in Rhode Island, which is our cancer coalition. They agreed to help take on an organizing role and some of the logistics and support of the events. George, in the context of the demonstration project, could you maybe describe what you view as the success of this partnership with the task force? Now, Kelly had touched upon it, but pulling together the task force to work on the project in the first place and, and the fact that it really has such a survivor-oriented focus, which helped to drive a lot of experientially shaped work that they've taken on. And the fact that it did wind up becoming a part of our statewide cancer coalition, which really has quite the infrastructure built out now as a nonprofit themselves. I think really, again, the survivor engagement and the provider education has really gone a long way in just kind of reshaping the conversation around care, not just for ovarian cancer patients, but for, you know, a, a whole array of other issues in comprehensive cancer control and survivorship, and especially within the realm of primary care. For this demonstration, you collaborated primarily with the Ovarian Cancer Task Force to plan and implement and evaluate your strategies, but also with the Partnership to Reduce Cancer, Brown University's Office of Continuing Medical Education, as well as several other colleges and universities in Rhode Island. If you could tell us how you came to partner with these organizations and about each of their roles in this project, that would be very helpful to our listeners. So I can start just by sharing a bit about what we did with Brown CME. The Rhode Island Department of Health has been contracting with the Brown Office of Continuing Medical Education for quite some time. This was particularly vital this time around in that they were quickly able to kind of pivot away from in-person events and help us, you know, as a project adapt to kind of the live virtual delivery of webinar and roundtable events. That involved, again, recording and archiving of both the webinar and the roundtable. You know, so far as their role goes, Brown CME worked to, like I said, get accreditation for both events, which sometimes is kind of the carrot at the end of the stick to get people in the room and participating. They developed and facilitated the registration for the events on their website, and uh, they really actually helped us to develop the evaluation and uh, for both of the events. Are there any other partnerships you established or built upon for this demonstration project? So I would be remiss if I didn't point out that the University of Rhode Island's College of Nursing was very involved in this project. One of the Partnership to Reduce Cancer's board members is a professor of nursing there and was able to participate in the planning of these events on behalf of the College of Nursing. And actually, she did a huge amount of work to get the Ovarian Cancer Research Alliance's Survivors Teaching Students program incorporated into nursing curricula in other colleges throughout the state. Your state also partnered with the Ovarian Cancer Research Alliance, or OCRA, to implement survivors teaching students in universities and medical programs in Rhode Island. The sessions began in person, but transitioned to virtual sessions due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Tell us a bit about this workshop. So it's an evidence-based curriculum. It was something that the nursing professor on our in our midst 
thought would be very appealing to at least nursing students, but we were also successful in getting it in front of physician assistant students, advanced practice nursing students, and social work students. One of our committee members had experience as a presenter through that program in other states. Um, And so their role in the work was to explain to us what their program was and how it worked, and then to actually organize presentations of survivors teaching students working with ovarian cancer survivors in the colleges and universities that wanted to host it. So I know Rhode Island College, the University of Rhode Island, Johnson and Wales, I believe, hosted one. Okay, I want to shift our conversation a bit. Uh, Tell me what made it easier or perhaps more difficult to develop and sustain your partnerships for this demonstration. Let's start with you, Mary. Um, I would say the biggest challenge, the Norma Leah Foundation said, and they're so helpful, but it is kind of when you first start working with a organization like that, there, you know, where I was sort of new to the area, obviously I have a lot of expertise in cancer surveillance and cancer research, but you know, my whole life's work has not been around ovarian cancer. And so here's this organization where that is their life's work. They're so passionate. Most people have had ovarian cancer, lost somebody to ovarian cancer. And they're kind of like, hey, who are you to, well, how did you get this contract? And why isn't it us? We're the ones who've been doing this. And so she was very sweet and very kind. But there, there is some of that kind of sometimes when you meet new partners where you think you just really have to honor what they've done and make sure that they feel really valued. But I think mostly to really acknowledge their help and really kind of go into it like we want to learn from you, we want to be partners, and we want this to be a sustained relationship. George, anything to add? And I think really all the work that was done and the partnership to reduce cancer's involvement in this project really helped to just enhance their engagement in a lot of different work that we do as a health department, but also other partners do around the state. Wonderful. It sounds like both states have really developed a strong relationship through this experience. Thank you to Kelly, George, Katie, Mary, and Jenny for joining me today and for discussing your experience developing and establishing partnerships on this demonstration project. For more information, please take a look at the resources developed by Iowa, Rhode Island, and Michigan for this demonstration. You can access these resources, as well as the action plan, which describes the promising strategies identified for this demonstration project, and the accompanying toolkit, which is a compilation of tools and resources addressing planning, implementation, and evaluation of the strategies included in the action plan at www.cdc.gov cancer ovarian. Thanks again for joining us. This episode is part of a five-part podcast series that describes the activities, facilitators, and barriers, lessons learned, and recommendations from the demonstration sites. Check out the other episodes in this podcast series on the CDC webpage. For the most accurate health information, visit cdc.gov or call 1-800-CDC-INFO.